Happy Friday and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can benefit you. Uh, Also, don't be afraid to ask questions. They are more than happy to answer any questions you have and help educate you on how their products can benefit your daily life. That's what they're all about, is helping people live a better life. And I absolutely love these people. They're great human beings, doing great things for the community around them. And certainly, they want you to live a better life. So, Uh, Check it out, abotanicalcompany.com. Also, just to let you know, we are saving you money this holiday season. 15%, in fact. Use the code ColbyShow, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, ColbyShow. When you order online, you save 15%. So really cool, easy to order online, abotanicalcompany.com. When you place your order, use the code at checkout, Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, and you'll get 15% off your online order. Again, easy to order online, easy and safe pickup. So check out Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Huge football weekend, especially here in the state of Oklahoma as we get ready for a conference championship game. Oklahoma, Iowa State, tomorrow morning, 11 o'clock kick time. And that means we have pregame coverage at 9 a.m. Mike Steely and I, Uh, We'll stream that pregame coverage two hours before the kickoff. So if you're looking for the link at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, um, just click that link at 9 a.m. and hang out with us for an hour as we get you ready for the Big 12 title game. Hard to believe we're already at this point. So just my thoughts on this Oklahoma-Iowa State game. I I think a few things that need to be addressed. Number one, uh, it was a really good game the first time around, right? This was a close matchup that Iowa State pulled away, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to, to ultimately win, to come from behind and win. Um, both teams, I think, are significantly better than they were at that point. I think Oklahoma has made larger strides in terms of what they bring every single week and the consistency factor with both offense and defense from when, what they were in that first matchup, which was their third game of the season. But I, I think you're naive a little bit if you if you don't think that Iowa State has also improved. You know, you go back to the beginning of the year, they were, uh, I think, struggling out of the gate. And, and that was a team that I really liked. I had high expectations for coming into the season. And when they lost to Louisiana, you know, I was one of the people that was certainly guilty of writing them off a little bit in terms of, you know, what type of role they would play in determining this conference. But you know, to their credit and to Matt Campbell's credit and a, a veteran team, they rallied and put that loss behind them and and were able to, to really pick it up and hit their stride. And certainly, I think after the Oklahoma State loss, uh, they were able to really get on track and, and played really good football down the stretch. So uh, they are a team that I don't think lacks confidence. I don't think it's a team that goes into this matchup against Oklahoma fearing the logo or feeling like the moment is too big, if that makes sense. I know that's something that's always brought up when you have a team making their first championship appearance. But again, this is a group of guys that is a, it's a veteran group. It's the winningest senior class in Iowa State history. The Cyclones are two and two against Oklahoma in the last four. The game a year ago could have easily been a Cyclone win. I mean, it comes down to the end. And if, if uh, Purdy makes the right throw, in the end zone, uh, we're talking about Iowa State potentially taking three of four against Oklahoma, which is just a stunning statistic. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to show up and they're going to play good football. And, look, there are some mismatches for Iowa State offensively and the Sooners defense. Uh, you know, when you look at those big tight ends and the problem they present, if Iowa State can block long enough to allow Brock Purdy to get the ball out, uh, that's where Iowa State, I think, can be dangerous. So I don't think it's just a, a no-brainer that – with all the defensive improvement we've seen from the Sooners since that first matchup, 
that they just shut down Iowa State. But in terms of where the game is decided, I do think that it's decided with the Oklahoma defensive line against the Iowa State offensive line, a group that is up for the Joe Moore Award, which here in Oklahoma we're all familiar with. But I just I look at the improvement from that defensive line, really starting with the Texas game and going forward, and then what Ronnie Perkins adds to the mix since he got back. And I think they're the best unit in this game. I think they're the best group in this game, and I think they are the ones that ultimately win their battle and and maybe dictate just how good Iowa State's going to be able to be offensively. My concern on the other side of the football is really just the consistency of the Oklahoma offense. I, I do think it's crazy that Spencer Rattler comes in with all of this hype and the high school player that he was and just I, I think the personality and the swag and the expectations that come with just being the quarterback at Oklahoma and somehow, even with all of that, I almost feel like he's somewhat underrated. And maybe it's because in, in his first two FBS starts, he loses to Kansas State, followed by a loss to Iowa State. He had turnovers in the, those games, especially at, down the stretch when the, the fan base was ready for him to have like a Heisman-type moment or something like that. And then, you know, obviously, to begin the Texas game, he struggled and was benched. But when you really look at the big body of work, especially after he was put back in the Texas game from that point to this point, I think it's hard to argue that he's not been the best quarterback in the Big 12. And I know the Big 12 awards came out yesterday and Brock Purdy was the the first-team quarterback. But I would argue that Spencer Rattler has had a better season. I think, you know, the biggest issue is because of those two losses and because of the turnovers early – I think a lot of people just kind of wrote him off and a lot of people wrote Oklahoma off for that matter. Uh, but I think when you have expectations of Spencer Rattler coming in and matching what the last three quarterbacks at Oklahoma have done, no matter what he had done in the second half of the season, I think when when you start the season the way he did, there was no way he was ever going to match, match the expectations after a second loss uh, to Iowa State. So again, I, I think down the stretch of the season, he improved drastically. And I honestly think when you look at the entire body of work, he was the best quarterback in the Big 12 this year. Obviously, the Big 12 quarterback situation isn't nearly as as big as it's been in the past. And and we've seen better quarterback groups, I think, in this conference. But um, yeah, Spencer Rattler has been terrific. And I, I really like that, you know, this is a game where you have two really good defenses, both playing really well. You have, in my mind, the two best quarterbacks in the conference. Um, I, I'm just excited for this matchup again. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be competitive. And I like Oklahoma's defensive line to be the difference. But, you know, the Sooners offensively have to be consistent in this game. They have to stay on the field. They have to move the chains. They have to allow that Sooner defense to get rest and and not get worn out by the run game. Because if Iowa State's able to move the chains with Brees Hall running the football, that defense is going to wear down. And And look, for as much as I like the defensive line and how dominant they've been, since the Texas game, I'm still, I still have reservations about the back seven and how good they are. And if you're able to somewhat neutralize the defensive line, I think there are still big plays to be had against the the back end of the Oklahoma defense. So I I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be competitive and I think it's going to go down to the fourth quarter and be anybody's game once again, uh, which is what we've seen, you know, again, I think with Oklahoma and Iowa state, uh, in recent history, we've had a bunch of good games. So I expect tomorrow to be nothing less. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 Awards yesterday because I think the biggest shock for me when the whole thing was released, I, I scammed o- scanned over it really fast and 
like when I looked at the defense, the thing that stood out to me immediately, like I, I looked at it for like 10 seconds and immediately I was like, there are no Sooners or Cowboys on this all-conference defense, which is mind-blowing when you consider Oklahoma's defensive line is is arguably one of the best in the country, um, I, I, maybe a top five group in the country. And, you know, for Oklahoma State, they're pretty strong in all three levels, but I would say the secondary for sure is the strength followed by the linebackers. And, and look, I, I like a couple of the defensive linemen from the Cowboys. I just think that they are probably a year away from being on the elite level of the conference. Uh, and, and I think you have to give the conference a lot of credit for the defensive depth that has been developed in this league. Like I was looking at the list of first and second teamers and even some of the honorable mentions and thinking two years ago in 2018, some of these guys not only would be first team all defense, but maybe have an opportunity at to be in the conversation for, for like the defensive player of the year award. I mean, there was a point two years ago where I looked at this conference and, and you're trying to fill out a, an all defense team and like you're struggling to get 11 guys that you think are deserving of that. And, and, you know, by default, you end up having to go with, with a few dudes. But I mean, two years ago, I, I, I don't know that there were 11 guys that I felt really good about putting on a, on a first team, all conference defense for a power five conference. Uh, and here we are in 2020 arguing not only the first team, but even the second, some of the second team uh, honors. And, you know, again, I think that speaks to the the overall depth of defensive players in this league and just how much better the defense that's being played in this league has become. Um, I will say this. I think Ronnie Perkins is the best defensive player in the conference. Like, if I had one guy that I could pick to play for me defensively in the Big 12, Ronnie Perkins is the guy. I know he was on Twitter yesterday and was obviously, uh, I think, felt disrespected by the fact that he didn't get the the type of uh, honor that that he would have expected maybe, but he only played four games. And so this is where it's interesting in college football. And look, for the, the in the NFL for that matter, but uh, specifically in college football, is he the best defensive player in this league? I, the answer for me is yes. I mean, it's it's something that can be debated for sure. But, you know, we see this with the Heisman Trophy, and if you it, we'll, we'll get into that conversation in just a second. But if you don't play an entire season, I think it's it's just one of those, like, unwritten rules, if you will, that you're not going to get the same sort of recognition in terms of all-conference or all-American or position awards or whatever we're talking about. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence misses a couple games, and Trevor Lawrence is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. I, I don't even know that he's going to be one of the finalists when it's all said and done. Justin Fields didn't even miss any games, but he played such a, a small amount in comparison to a couple of the other guys that he's not a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. He, you know, again, both those guys might on the outside get a, a, an opportunity to make that trip, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I didn't expect that Ronnie Perkins was going to be first team all conference. I didn't. I mean, when you when you don't play enough games, uh, that's just again, it feels like one of the unwritten rules of college football. The one that that is really curious to me for Oklahoma though is Isaiah Thomas. I thought, without a doubt, Isaiah Thomas was one of the best four defensive linemen in the league all year long. Um, you know, even before Ronnie Perkins got back, and certainly when Ronnie Perkins came back, I think more of the spotlight shifted 
to Ronnie Perkins, and maybe people weren't appreciating Isaiah Thomas nearly as much after Ronnie Perkins came back. But Ronnie Perkins, um, again, a sensational season. I think that's also helped out by the fact that Isaiah Thomas was so good, and you can't just pay attention to one guy. And Isaiah Thomas was also doing it before. I mean, I, I think leading up to Ronnie Perkins' return, I was having the debate as to whether or not Isaiah Thomas was the best offensive lineman in the conference. So, uh, you know, I I don't know why he didn't get the uh, the opportunity over a couple of the other guys. And look, let me also say this: as far as the defensive line goes, it was a it was a really tough group this year, and I think it was a really tough call to to maybe just pick the amount that you're picking because I, I there were there were definitely deserving guys. Uh, that didn't make the first team, and Isaiah Thomas is one of those guys. I don't, I don't necessarily think that any of the first team All Conference defensive players were undeserving. I just thought Isaiah Thomas was probably more deserving when you look at what he meant to that Sooner defense and and just you know the level that he was playing at early. You know, especially with the offense being as inconsistent as it was all year long. Like this wasn't a traditional Oklahoma offense where you just knew. They were going to dominate every single week and be consistent every single week. So Isaiah Thomas, again, for me, was a guy that should have been on the all-conference team. The defensive line was Jaquan Bailey, which I think Isaiah Thomas had a better season than Jaquan Bailey, but this is a guy that's a senior. He's Iowa State's all-time sack leader. In some ways, this almost feels like a career type of, of recognition for him to make it over Isaiah Thomas. Um, his counterpart, Will McDonald, led the league in uh, in sacks, I believe, on the season. Or no, he was second. Uh, he was second in the conference with uh, eight and a half sacks. Uh, the leader was actually O'Shawn Mathis from TCU, who also wasn't a first-team all-defensive player. Nine sacks for O'Shawn Mathis at TCU, wasn't a first-teamer. Will McDonald, uh, from Iowa State, had eight and a half. He made the first team. Wyatt Hubert had eight and a half sacks for Kansas State. He made the first team. Isaiah Thomas had eight for Oklahoma, did not make the first team. Uh, and then you start going down the list, like Bailey, again, had seven. He was good. Don't 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 get me wrong. I think Jaquan Bailey is, is one of the premier defensive players in this league, but I just wouldn't have given him the nod over Isaiah Thomas. It's just one of those things where I think sometimes guys kind of get that, that – uh, career type benefit where you know they've been really good in a conference for a long time and and that probably adds a little bit of uh, motivation to to vote for a guy like that when you consider what you know he's been a problem for a lot longer than a guy like Isaiah Thomas Uh, the linebackers don't really have an issue with a whole lot I I would say that uh, I thought both Oklahoma State linebackers um, well I should say I thought at least one of the two Oklahoma State linebackers was going to get a first-team nod, if not both. Uh, that's how good both of those guys were. Um, Og- Bamiga, uh, I, I, I know I didn't say that right, but uh, and and obviously Malcolm Rodriguez. I thought those guys were terrific. Um, in the secondary, I you know, this is another interesting one because I thought going into the season, Oklahoma State and TCU probably had the best two safety tandems in the entire country. And through the first half of the season, I would have said that, that probably Oklahoma State was the better group. Um, you know, the Oklahoma State defense as a whole didn't finish the season as strongly as, as you would have liked, but to not see Colby Harvell Peel or Trey Sterling uh, in that situation is something that I would not, again, would not have anticipated at the halfway point of the Big 12 season. But when you look at the way Jalen Petrie played at Baylor, Greg Eisworth at Iowa State, um, the, the, what's the, the TCU safety's name? Um, 
I'm blanking. Anyway, uh, that like all those guys again, I think are deserving players of of first team all conference in this league. So it becomes a preference thing, maybe at that position. The one Oklahoma State guy that I'm I, I would have said absolutely deserved to be first team all conference was Rodarius Williams. I think all year long, the guy was just a shutdown corner. Um, you know, the um, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew, I believe is really good and deserved, I think, one of those spots. But I thought consistently Rodarius Williams was the best best corner in the league uh, all year long. And that that would be the biggest, I think, Oklahoma State omission if, if you know, I were putting a list together as far as not making the first team. But, look, I think you could, you could put a collection of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State defensive players together alone, just those two teams, and compare it to what the actual... Big 12 all-conference defense was, and I think you have a unit that's probably almost just as good. I mean, uh, the conference really took a step forward, but I think Oklahoma, especially on the defensive line, and Oklahoma State in all three levels, um, really took steps in the right direction as far as the defense they were they were playing. You know, these awards are also so statistical-driven um, that... It's it's kind of like a it's a great thing and a bad thing at the same time. I'm I'm a stat geek and I love stats and I think stats help you tell part of the story in terms of having these conversations and making these like conference selections and all American selections, uh, even in the NFL All Pro selections. Stats play a role in that, but I think sometimes we become slaves to what the statistics tell us without any sort of context into those statistics. And, and a really good example of this, and this happens almost every year in almost every conference, uh, and, and especially with like preseason lists, uh, which are, are even more off base, I think, than, than a postseason, like all conference team. But um, like I think generally people that are going to vote for like an all conference team, like linebackers, for instance, What's the first thing you're going to pull up if, if you are going to look to see who the best linebackers are? Because you have to have some sort of metric to gauge these guys. And especially with defense, you don't have a ton of metrics that you can use without getting super advanced. Uh, so you pull up tackles. And, you know, again, I, tackles aren't necessarily the best indicator of who the best linebackers in college football are or, or in a conference are. But that's that's just kind of the the metric that's available to kind of look and see who's who's having production, and so you go that direction. Same thing with like defensive linemen and, and sacks. Sacks doesn't always mean that like if one guy has one more sack than another guy, it doesn't mean that he was better. I mean, it just it you know part of getting a sack is just you know the 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 finish part of of applying pressure. So you might have a guy that doesn't end up at the top of the list as far as sacks, but is just disrupting plays every time he's on the football field. And and that's something that you can't, you know, with the basic statistics without getting super in-depth that you can't account for. Same thing with, like, corners. I think most of the time, like, if you're going to go go from a statistical standpoint, people pull up interceptions. Passes defended is probably the better way to go there. Uh, and even that is not necessarily a great representation of who the best corners are, but I think passes defended is a better uh, metric to use than than interceptions. Honestly, neither one of them is great because if you're if you are a true shutdown corner, you're not going to lead either one of those categories because people aren't throwing your way and you're not getting those opportunities. So that's where I say like 
I'm a stat geek. I love stats. I think they help tell the story, but I think you also have to use statistics with the right context in order to, to kind of prove your point. Like I always use Matt Stafford as a great example of this in the NFL. Matt Stafford has played for a Detroit team his entire career that has not been good. They're not a contender. They've never been a contender. They fall behind almost every week and they have to throw themselves into football games. So a lot of times they'll be down by a bunch and in the second half, they have to just start airing it out, chunking the ball. And every year, Matt, Matt Stafford's like one of the leaders in the NFL in passing yards. Well, it, I mean, if you if you view that in context, is Matt Stafford really better than a lot of the guys that he's ahead of statistically? The answer is no. Uh, and, and, you know, a big reason for that is when the game is is in the balance, he's not making those same throws. He's not producing that same sort of output until the game is over, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of garbage time yards. Like, again, context, I think, is the most important part in terms of using statistics to tell a story in anything. So, you know, that, that kind of transitions me to the Heisman Trophy. Um, I was looking at the odds this week as we get ready for Championship Saturday. The odds to win the Heisman Trophy right now, the top six, Mac Jones at Alabama, Kyle Trask at Florida, Devontae Smith at Alabama, Ian Book at Notre Dame, Trevor Lawrence all the way down at number five for Clemson and Justin Fields at number six for Ohio State. So the first part of this that is interesting is the fact that I think we would all agree Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the two, maybe not just the two best quarterbacks in college football, but maybe the best two players in college football. And the only reason these guys aren't one and two are because of the games played situation. Trevor Lawrence misses a couple games. Ohio State starts late. They have some games canceled, and there's just not a big enough body of work, I think, to really give Justin Fields the same opportunity as these other guys, a lot like the the Ronnie Perkins situation. So they are, even, even with those challenges, this just shows you how good they are, they're still fifth and sixth in the Heisman odds because I think people recognize, really, if you were given one game to go to go win a national championship, do you want Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Or do you want Mac Jones or Kyle Trask as your quarterback? I don't know how many people are actually going to take Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, but what happens on the field has to play a factor in these things. And and Kyle Trask has been out there every week. Mac Jones has been out there every week. Those guys are putting up big numbers. And I I think almost by default, uh, those guys are on the list ahead of the other two. Devontae Smith is really interesting too because generally we don't see guys especially receivers get this, this sort of opportunity. Um, but, you know, like I said, with the, with the removal of the two guys that I think most people believe are the best two players, like it almost just opens the door for anybody that does anything special to have a chance. And maybe you have to think a little bit outside the box. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, used to have a Heisman Trophy vote. And like he was looking at this and he was like, I can't in good conscience, conscious uh, vote for Mac Jones or Kyle Trask because I don't believe either one of those is even the best quarterback uh, in college football or even the second best quarterback in college football. And, it, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, like at that point in time, I think Kyle Trask had the best odds to win the Heisman. And it was almost like you could find reasons maybe not to vote for some of the other guys. Whereas with Kyle Trask, even though I didn't think he was the most outstanding player there wasn't really, at that point in time at least, uh, a whole lot to like argue against him. 
if that makes sense. So, like I said, it was almost by default he moves all the way up the list and, and gets the, uh, the vote there. But, like, Mac Jones is another great example. Mac Jones has been really good, by the way. I think he has the best rating of a quarterback in college football. Uh, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But, like, every time I watch Alabama, and, and again, this is, this is somewhat unfair to Mac Jones and, and how good he's been and the plays that he makes, but is he the most outstanding player even within that offense? Because I watch Devontae Smith, I watch Najee Harris, and I think both of those guys are just more outstanding football players than Mac Jones is. So that's, you know, it's a quarterback award, obviously. Um, if you're a quarterback of a top five team or a playoff caliber team in college football, you're going to have that opportunity. By the way, who are the top four teams in college football right now? Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. If you look at the Heisman odds, the four quarterbacks of those teams, Mac Jones, Ian Book, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, the four quarterbacks of the top four teams in college football are on the, the betting odds right now in the top six. And by the way, Kyle Trask with Florida having that SEC championship opportunity and being the number, what are they, seven now? They dropped a spot last week. Seven team in the country. They have that chance as well. So um, Heisman Trophy this year is really interesting. And, and to be honest with you, if I had a vote right now, I don't know that I have a front runner. I, I think especially in 2020, given that that all things aren't as equal as, as even a normal year where things aren't equal, um, I almost want to see like what happens on the big stage in kind of these pseudo playoff type games championship games on Saturday. Um, if you really, you know, there was a period of time where I thought Najee Harris would probably be the guy for me. Um, Alabama just throws the ball so much. Uh, and you look at Devonte Smith's numbers again, statistics play such a big role in this that, um, it kind of feels like he's starting to get the benefit over Najee Harris as far as the secondary Alabama player. And now, but he's still behind Mac Jones in the Heisman odds. Anyway. Um, I think a big week from him though, potentially, create some separation and maybe he jumps all the way to the top uh, with, with a couple of big plays. You know, it's, it's one of those awards that again, it's, it's not only statistically driven, but it's, you know, the quote unquote Heisman moment. How many of these guys have had a Heisman moment this year? And, you know, part of it is like Trevor Lawrence didn't play in their biggest game against Notre Dame. Uh, so you take him out of the equation. Ohio state really hasn't had that game in a, in a, premier matchup with everybody watching for Justin Fields to even have that moment. Um, you know, even in the Notre Dame Clemson game, Ian book really never had that one. Like it was, it, it was the run game for Notre Dame that, that really separated them that night. Uh, so there wasn't like that one play for me in book where, where he just did something crazy to really help Notre Dame uh, win that game. Trask, the same thing, like Trask is really good and he throws the football and, and, you know, he's setting all these Florida passing records, but has there been one moment where he just does something that just supersedes any expectation for him on a weekly basis? The answer to that is also no. Mac Jones, again, just absurd numbers leading college football's best offense, but I, there's just, there's not been any sort of, of one defining thing that just elevates him above everybody else. And, and with Devonte Smith, you know, he's, he's essentially number one or number two in the country in all of the receiving categories. The punt return against Arkansas is, is something that I think really played a big role in, in him kind of rejoining the conversation and maybe having that opportunity with another big performance in the SEC championship game. So uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a really interesting conversation to have. 
for the Heisman Trophy and and who is most deserving this season. And again, a, a lot of it is because of the amount of games played and, and that being such a factor for how you decide this. Because if, if that doesn't matter, I don't think anybody's making the argument for Kyle Trask over Trevor Lawrence. Same thing in the Big 12. Ronnie Perkins is the best defensive player, in my opinion, in the entire league. But when you only play four games, you're just, you know, you, there, there ha, there's a, an unwritten rule almost in college football that if you don't play the full schedule, you don't play all your games, you're not out there every week, I think you just lose the opportunity to be in the mix for a lot of those things. And, and look, I think it's a testament to tr- how good Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are that they're even still in the conversation because for a lot of guys – uh, they, they, they certainly wouldn't be. I think it would be a complete afterthought to even bring them up. But, you know, again, I think everybody understands those are the best two players in college football. Um, they're just they're just not going to get real consideration because of the games played situation. So we are going to preview the NFL weekend. And my son wanted to come in and join me on the podcast today. So. Uh, he's going to give us his NFL picks over the weekend. He's very familiar with all of these teams, so <laughs> I think he's already got a lot to say. All right, man. We have two games on Saturday. The first one is the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. Who do you think? Who do you think wins? Who are those two teams right there? Um. The Buffalo Bills over the Denver Broncos. All right, our next matchup on Saturday, the primetime game, Saturday night. Who do you got? Panthers. The Carolina Panthers over the Green Bay Packers. Little man is going for the upset. All right, Sunday. Let's start with the noon slate of games. Who do you got? Who is that? Which one do you like in that game? This one. Who is it? Who is it? What team is that? What team is that? That's the Buccaneers and the Falcons. Which one do you think wins? Buccaneers! Buccaneers! All right, who wins our next matchup? Um, 49ers! 49ers over our Dallas Cowboys. I agree with you, man, unfortunately. Lions win! Lions over the Titans in our next NFL matchup on Sunday. Who is that? By the way, we, we are just, I've got graphics of each matchup, and so I'm just pulling them up one by one and letting him uh, letting him choose. All right, who, who do you like? Who wins? This one. Which one is that? Um, Buccaneers. No, we already did the Buccaneers. Um, 49ers. We already did the 49ers. <laughs> You're looking at the wrong one. This one right here. And we already did this one right there. Who wins that game? Um, who wins this game? Texans or the Colts? Texans. 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 So Carter going upset again. Patriots! Patriots over the Dolphins. Bears! Bears over the Vikings. Seahawks! Seahawks over Washington. 
Jaguars. Jag the one in twelve Jaguars over the Ravens. Yes. Okay. Jets. The zero and thirteen Jets. Are you just picking the road team in every matchup? Yes. All right. I, I don't think your record's going to be very good, man. Yes. Who is that? Who's that one? Cardinals. Is that who you like in the game? I don't like it. I'm going to be that team. Yeah, the Eagles? Yeah. All right. What about that one? Chiefs. Chiefs over the Saints. I agree. That was actually my preseason Super Bowl pick, Chiefs over Saints. Browns. The Browns over the Giants on Sunday night football. All right, last matchup. This is the Monday night game. Steelers. Steelers over the Bengals. All right, man. How do you think you did? Did it. Are you excited for the NFL weekend? Yeah. Yeah? Who's your favorite team? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite team? Steelers. No, the Steelers aren't your favorite team. Who? <laughs> Have you become a Steelers fan unknowingly? Yes. You have? Yes. Who got to you? Uh, You're ridiculous. I thought you were a Dallas Cowboy fan. Dallas Cowboys are my favorite. They are your oh, they are your favorite. Okay. You just think the Steelers are going to win? Is that the deal? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, are you excited for the NFL weekend? Uh, are we going to watch a bunch of football? Yes. What games do you want to watch? Soccer. Who? Soccer. So you want to watch soccer? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. I, w there's no way this weekend we're watching any soccer. Only football. <laughs> it's a big football weekend. What about college football? Who do you think wins? Uh... Oklahoma or Iowa State? Iowa State. You think Iowa State wins? Yes. All right, what about Notre Dame or Clemson? Clemson. Clemson. All right, Alabama or Florida? Um, this one. Alabama or Florida? Alabama. Alabama, okay. So you think it's pretty much chalk except for Iowa State over... Oklahoma. Who is that team? <laughs> what about Ohio State, Northwestern? Storm. Northwestern? Can you say that? Northwestern. All right. There we go. Good job, man. Those were, uh, those were some wild picks. I don't know how accurate you're going to be, but... If you hit the jackpot, we'll uh, throw some money down next time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say bye? Do you want to say bye to everybody? No. <laughs> All right.
right, that is Carter Daniels making his NFL picks for this week. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website abotanicalcompany.com. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can benefit your daily life. I'm a customer. I I absolutely love these guys and, and they are dedicated to helping you live a better life. Also, we are saving you money this holiday season when you check out with your online order, use the code Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, to get 15% off your online order. So I love the fact that we're able to save you a little money this holiday season with this code Colby Show on your online order at checkout, 15% off. Very, very cool. So again, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, Oklahoma-Iowa State tomorrow, 11 a.m. kickoff, which means Mike Steely and I have pregame coverage beginning at 9 a.m., so look for that. I will tweet the link at Colby underscore Daniels, at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter. I will tweet that link, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Check that out, and we will get you all ready for OU-Iowa State, 11 a.m. for the Big 12 Championship. That is it for this episode. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe, and I will talk to you in the morning.